welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I'm your host. And joining me on the show today, we have author, campaigner and radio host. Her first novel is out now from UCLan. That is Toxic. It's Natasha Devon. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to see you again in, in retrospect, as we've met a couple of times already, which has been lovely. But for the first actual official meeting here on the podcast, do you want to tell us uh, a little bit about, you know, yourself, about your writing journey? Because we like to get to know our authors. You know, how did you get into writing and a little bit about your highlights on the way? Well, I, I did English literature at uni and I've always loved both reading and writing. But I guess I never really considered it as a, a viable career didn't really understand how you got into it or or anything like that like a lot of people I guess so I went down a slightly wiggly path of um, I became a a mental health campaigner through going into schools and delivering education on mental health and then in 2018 I wrote a non-fiction book called A Beginner's Guide to Being Mental with everything I'd learned about mental health it condensed into 80,000 words and that's how I I would say my my book writing career began I'd done some stuff for kind of newspapers and magazines before then and then for fiction I've always wanted to have a go at writing a novel and when the lockdown happened I had a lot of time on my hands so so I thought I'll give this a whirl. Absolutely and it's one of those ones where I feel like it's a perfect transition once you get into sort of writing you just mentioned there about putting 80,000 words down in non-fiction of course that's pretty much where we sort of see ourselves in that YA range 80k is probably a good set and I actually picked your brains when we we were very lucky enough to come to your book launch at at Waterstones uh, last week uh, about the writing process because I imagine that writing non-fiction compared to fiction is a little bit different how did you find that transition? It's a completely different thing I think when you're writing non-fiction your role is different you're an expert trying to get your expertise onto the page and it's nice if you can write it in an engaging way but it's not as essential as when you're writing fiction and then there's all these things that when you're writing non-fiction it's based in the real world so you can make a certain level of assumptions about what the reader knows when you're writing fiction it's an entire universe that lives in your head so even if it's not sci-fi or you know it's it's based in reality it's still a world that doesn't exist actually (laughs) and so you you have to be really clear about you know where is this character and and even if you don't explicitly say you know what year is it and what's it like there and, and it's the descriptive elements of it that I, I guess are are really different but it's I think a much more creative and much more rewarding type of writing. Absolutely and let's dive into that world of yours like you said it could be sci-fi and fantasy tickets to far-flung places or it could just be as simple as a school like St Edith's where we sort of cue into toxic do you want to tell me a little bit about the setting creating that world and mainly the character of Luella so I came up with the idea for Luella when I was watching a documentary called the school that tried to end racism which was on channel four a couple of years ago now and in this school 
in the documentary, half the children in the year are white and half are not white. And they split them initially into racial affinity groups. So they said, if you're white British, you're going into this room. And it's just to talk about their culture and heritage and stuff. Wasn't anything sinister. Um, but, and then if you're not white, you know, you're, you're in this mm-hmm. other room. And there was this one girl called Farah who her mum was, is white British. Her dad is originally from Sri Lanka. So he's kind of light brown. She had this olivey skin tone. That's how she described it. And you could see the panic on her face where she's going, okay, I don't know which group to go with. And it wasn't, you know, we hear this narrative all the time about people of mixed racial heritage, that they're sort of trapped between worlds and they've got no fixed identity. I think that's nonsense. But it was specifically the way she was mixed that was the issue for her because I think when people think of a mixed person they think of somebody who is half white and half African or Caribbean and and that's the kind of more traditional way of being mixed and people don't consider other mixed identities necessarily. So it ended up that one of the children who was in the racialized group said to Farah you belong with us and you could see the look of relief on her face at being welcomed and accepted into one of the groups And because it was the racialized group, having that aspect of her identity acknowledged uh, as well. Um, So that got me thinking about whether having a really strong sense of cultural identity is a form of privilege. So I created Luella, this character whose her mother is white and Welsh. Her father is from somewhere in South Asia, but we don't know where because she doesn't know him. So she has no access to that part of her identity at all. So she's being raised by a white parent. She is growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood. And when you live in London, as I do, it's very easy to forget that there are still areas in the country where that is very much the case. And she goes to a school which is very very much white. Um, she goes to a, a posh private school in Surrey where she is the the only non-white person in her year group. And in many ways, the, the story is about her embracing and exploring her difference and, and learning to be comfortable with. There are lots of things that make Luella different. It's not just her racial mix. She's kind of larger than her peers and um, she doesn't really care about makeup or boys or any of the things that her peers are talking about you know so she very much feels like an outsider in this world yeah I think I remember the scene where Crystal basically is like it's like so what moisturizer do you use and Chris and she's like none and Crystal basically is just like okay we're gonna have to sort that out very much in that that regard but she is she's she's trapped in this this world where she doesn't feel like she belongs and I think you put it nicely with the the PST the perfect Surrey teens and of course we can't talk about perfect Surrey teens then the quintessential one which is Aretha and wow what a piece of work she is well it's interesting because Aretha she arrives from East London and what initially attracts Luella to her is how different she is from everything that she's ever known before. Because Aretha is somebody who, not only is she from East London where there are there's much more diversity of people, but also she exists in a family where her father, who is Caribbean, is very present and loving and she's very connected to that side of her heritage. So I think the thing that initially attracts Luella to Aretha is 
that she wears her difference mm. with pride. She she emphasizes it. And so Luella looks at her when she joins her sixth form. She looks at her and goes, here's another brown person who is dealing with her difference in a completely different way and, and sort of wanting to absorb her confidence through osmosis. And Aretha, I mean, it's so interesting that you say what a piece of work, because all the reviews I've had of Toxic so far have gone, oh, this character's so awful. And, and she does treat Luella really badly. However, I, I've got quite a lot of affection for Aretha because there are reasons why she is the way that she is. And I don't think she's a terrible person. I think she's just dealing the cards she's, or playing the cards she's been dealt, I should say. Mm. I think you made a beautiful, because uh, I have to say to the, the listeners, uh, there is a sort of a running theme throughout the book about the Merchant of Venice because the play is ongoing. And is it Shylock, I believe, the, the, the antagonist? I'm not going to say yeah. villain of the piece, but antagonist of it, seen in that light of villain, but really is dealing with quite a lot of, can we just say, really disgusting sort of like anti-Semitic sort of commentary. So you can under almost you can almost understand with Sherlock why he is the way he is. I yeah, guess it, is that the the tone with Aretha? Yeah, that was one of the points I was trying to make. So um, Luella gets a part in the school production of The Merchant of Venice right at the beginning of the novel. And that's very much rooted in my experience. I also played Antonio at my oh. all-girls school when I was in um, sick form. And we had a really great teacher who explained to us why Shylock was behaving in the way that he was behaving. And even though it's referenced in the play, really emphasized to us what life would have been like for a Jewish person in Italy at the time the play was written, how much he's had to endure to get to this point. And therefore his behavior, whilst it does a lot of damage to Antonio and uh, Bassanio, who are the kind of heroes of, of the, the narrative, it's all understandable why, why he's behaving that way. And it, that I think really emphasized to me how important it is that whenever you're telling a story, that if you were to jump into the brain of another character, the story should still make sense from their perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think if, if I wrote Toxic from Aretha's perspective, people would probably like her a lot more. Absolutely. And I, I suppose that's that's a great thing because it almost instantly we've just had a little chat there about sort of contrast and I feel like that's something that the book will, will do it will get people talking and especially another talking point I think it's going to bring out is the way that Luella has to deal with her anxiety and her panic attacks because obviously that opening prologue is how she basically instantly we sort of set the preset that she's bottling so much of this and how we can really sort of like if we keep that poise I think it's the it's mentioned it's, it's a vial of poison if you don't sort of tap at it and sort of remove the poison carefully through like therapy and stuff something's going to break that vial of poison so it's interesting how you had that and I believe it's something that you dealt with in your early years your teenage years with anxiety so is that sort of tracked through for Luella? Yeah well Luella lives in a radically different time so I, I've had panic attacks since I was 10 but I didn't get a diagnosis until I was 31. So there were 20 years there where I just thought that I was less good at dealing with life than other people and that's largely because of how our understanding of mental health has evolved and how stigma has reduced during that time. So 
Luella knows what her condition is called. She has some strategies that she's learned in therapy for dealing with it. What she hasn't learned, and this is something that I talk about in schools all the time, is that any kind of trauma you have or any kind of emotion you have, actually, it, it creates energy. And the first thing you learn about energy in science is that you can't destroy it. So if you try and swallow down your feelings, you're not getting rid of them. You can't just ignore them. You have to find a way of processing them. And if you try and put them to one side, they, they, they will find a way of coming out. And in my case, and certainly in Luella's case, the way that they come out is through panic attacks. Indeed. And there's actually some lovely sort of like help and guidance actually in the back of the book. I've got to the back of the book, having a look at the acknowledgements, which I, I tend to do if I'm going to talk to the author, I'll have a look at the acknowledgements and found that you, you had a beautiful piece on, you know, some of the p- potential trigger warnings of Merchant of Venice, and then also some really nice help and guidance, some sort of key sort of resources you can go to, which I think is beautiful. I think it's really important. I mean, I tried to convey the realities of what it's like to live with mental illness but without it being gratuitous and also without it being all that Luella is yeah you know it's not the totality of her identity it's just something that she either manages or struggles with depending on you know how well she's doing and I tried not to include anything that would be triggering for no reason and just for shock value but equally people who are anxious have told me that they've read the book and and it's made them feel anxious because it's described in a very accurate way so I include some resources you know if people want to talk more yeah I'm perfectly done and I think that's that's you can almost see that that non-fiction side of your writing sort of coming up you're already thinking about that in retrospect but uh, no I think it's absolutely amazing as a first novel sort of coming out there as fast as pacey we see this massive arc and this range of growth in Luella in particular Toxic is out now from UCAM Publishing go out and uh, grab it it's absolutely fantastic it was brilliant to see as well it's so amazingly represented at Yauk that we recently went to where it was on the Yauk board and stuff like that is it fun like buzzy seeing it out there in the world now well that was a total surprise to me and I don't know how that happened or why it happened but I turned up at Yalk and yeah the the sort of interactive giant bookshelf (laughs) that everybody has their photo taken in front of it toxic was right there in the middle that was amazing absolutely amazing to see and and Yalk was brilliant as well because it's just full of people who have this real passion for YA so it's great to be able to have conversations with people who are as nerdy as you are on this topic. Absolutely. But, you, you know, talking about looking into the YA sphere, you are, I have seen, dipping your toe back into nonfiction because you've got another book coming out this summer. Very busy year for you. Uh, that is Yes, You Can ace school without losing your mind a book i feel like would have been very helpful to luella uh, coming out in august from pam mcmillan do you want to tell us a little bit about that as well as an added bonus yeah sure so i i wrote that book because when i do focus groups in schools with teenagers that there, there's this theme that was emerging about feeling like you had to sacrifice your mental health in order to perform well academically so i was hearing things like oh i'm not getting enough sleep but that's fine because I'm working really hard. I'm studying really hard or yeah, I am really stressed, but you know, I've got my exams coming up and, and I felt like that 
they were very aware that their mental health was important, but their grades were more important to them for a variety of reasons. And I'm not here to argue with that, even though I think it's wrong. Um, and they also had bought into this idea, and, and it's not their fault because it's everywhere, it's all around us, that the longer you work, the better you're working, that more hours equals a better result. And the evidence just doesn't back that up at all. Um, if you are looking after your mental health, you can retain information better, you can um, problem solve better, you can think creatively better. And there are also ways of working smarter. So you you still have a work-life balance, but mm -hmm. you've just used your time in a way that in, enables you to sort of maximize it. So that's that's what the book is is about. It's it, There's lots of quizzes and interactive stuff in it so that people can work out what motivates them, what type of learner they are, whether they're um, a, a lark or a night owl, you know, when is best for them to, to revise and things like that. But ultimately it, it exists to, to disabuse people of this myth that the harder you work, the better it is. Yeah, there's less of the grind is actually like, don't, don't put yourself into that position, you know, you're gonna work best, you, everyone will have a different way of working, but you find yours and you'll achieve more. I like that. But I mean, two books in one year, if that's not uh, crazy enough. Are you working on anything else? We're very curious to see if you've got any other projects, nonfiction or fiction. Both, yes. Um, <laughs> so there's, um, I've got another nonfiction book coming out next year, which is all about technology and the internet um, and social media for young people. And then, well, just watch this space on the YA stuff is all I will say. <laughs> There you go. Just watch this space. Sounds fantastic. Absolutely. And this has been fantastic. But I've just seen we are very quickly getting to the end of today's episode. But I just want to say a big thank you, Natasha, for, for coming to the show and talking to us. It's been great. Now the third time getting to chat to you. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. But I won't completely let you disappear until you let our lovely listeners know how they can find out more about you and your books. Do you have some social media or website they can go to? I am on Instagram and Twitter and I'm underscore Natasha Devon on both of those. And then if people want to find out more about my work, my website is natashadevon.com. Fantastic. And to you lovely listeners, don't forget you can head over to our Twitter at Big Kids Book Club. That's all one long lovely word. There you find additional content and additional offers that we do, but you can also find them on our website, bigkidsbookclub.com. And there we'll have additional reviews, previews. And if you're only just finding the show, we have over 140 episodes for you to sink your teeth into. So there you go. That's all the time we have for today. So another big thank you to Natasha. Big thank you to you, lovely listeners. But until next time, all I have to do is to say for you to take care, to stay safe, but most importantly, to keep on reading.